Welcome, David. So glad to be able to speak to you again. Um, I know we spoke in the early days of the when the crisis hit, and uh, I'm wondering where things are now as far as your investments and your business goes. So it definitely uh, this period has been challenging for uh, a lot of uh, parts of the economies that uh, have a direct uh, relationship with physical movement of people and goods and how they meet. Uh, but it has been extremely interesting for the digital economy and for uh, the people that are exploring and implementing new solutions uh, that uh, really allow us to engage across any distance in so many different forms. So with uh, uh, Beyond Enterprises, uh, where I am a managing advisor, uh, right. that is what we do. We help uh, projects uh, uh, succeed at the frontiers of uh, uh, digital innovation. I've spoken to a few investors just recently, um, now that I've started the podcasts again, and uh, they all say it's been fabulous for investments um, because of what you just said, the explosion in the digital economy. Um, but obviously there's also uh, huge ramifications, as you mentioned earlier, globally uh, of suffering and loss of businesses and um, total totally changed the world really I don't think it'll ever go back to be the same what are your perspectives on that the the shortfalls for all the businesses that have had to you know I, I had to let go of my business in the way in the form it, it was taking because it couldn't do live events in March last year in Silicon Valley so I just wondered what your perspective is it is great that the digital economy is booming, but there is also a lot of suffering. Um, there's also people like losing it mentally because of all the restrictions. Do you have any perspectives on that? So uh, you touched on at least uh, two, three important and different <laughs> points. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the last one. Okay. Um, I think it is absolutely crucial that our global conversation around mental health becomes uh, more uh, transparent, more relaxed, uh, less prone to fall into easy, prejudiced uh, reflexes. Uh, and we understand that just as we uh, have to uh, care about our physical fitness, yeah. we have to care about our mental fitness, uh, every one of us. And that uh, those who are... Um, in a situation where they are more vulnerable, uh, they they need our support, first of all, from, from their friends, their families, but also the kind of professional support that uh, everyone understands when I say, hey, I'm going to go in, uh, I, I, I will go to the gym. So for the next couple of hours, I'm not going to respond uh, uh, to, to calls or, or, or meetings because I will be taking care of my body. And yeah. the same must be understood uh, in a very profound manner uh, for uh, our mental health uh, as well. And, and, and all over the world, you know, not only in New York, yeah. where uh, going to the shrink is, is, is a universal practice, yes. right? From, from Woody <laughs> Allen downwards. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, now, the second thing that, uh, that you said is uh, uh, how the pandemic exposed 
the vulnerability in the lives of, of individuals uh, who are uh, exposed uh, to an extreme degree to um, mm. their their environment, uh, their economic environment, and uh, how uh, many people didn't have the, uh, for example, necessary savings uh, in order to be able to weather the storm over uh, an extended period of time of a year or more. Yes. So um, definitely as many uh, of, of us as possible have to, to realize that, yep, uh, civilization is great, society is wonderful, but we have to balance our desire and ability of relying on others uh, with uh, a degree of self-sufficiency. Uh, even something as simple as having savings, which the vast majority of uh, families uh, in the U.S. do not have. Exactly. Too many families yeah. have just very, very little on the side. They go from paycheck to paycheck. And when the paycheck is not coming, they fall uh, further and further and further into debt. The third yeah. thing that you mentioned is about uh, uh, the, the, the the structure of the economy and, and what can be expected uh, from a, a given uh, type of society uh, to offer the uh, relief or even uh, specific support for uh, the, the the people who who need that, and in the U.S., it was for me very interesting to see that the uh, the, the 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 checks proudly signed by Trump, uh, uh, the COVID relief checks, actually represented a kind of basic income for millions of people yeah. in the time when they needed it. Um, and so it uh, potentially uh, broke some kind of a dogmatic stance, and and it did show uh, um, and to to an American society that is uh, by and large uh, pretty um, pretty much uh, leaning towards uh, social Darwinism that uh, it is the interest of society at large to support the individual when, when there is a need. Really good point. Really good point. Yeah. And of course, that basic living wage has been bandied around for a couple of years before this all happened. So that's great the way you brought that together. And uh, on that second point, um, I've got a little code phrase for myself and everyone that I meet um, that this crisis has um, stimulated a lot of resilience and resourcefulness in me and I hope and pray that other people also have that experience because you are really thrown back on on resources within yourself as you said more self-reliance and uh, yeah we are obviously all part of a community but <laughs> you also have to have some basic backbone and strength within thank you for that that was fabulous and of course um our great passion, the crypto domain, um, has uh, gone through quite a few ups and downs in this crisis. Um, could you give me your perspectives on that and where you think we're heading? So um, 
I am not able to um, predict what will happen uh, in the world of Bitcoin tomorrow or or next week. Yeah, whether it will go up or it will go down. There are a lot of people who uh, are. reading the tea leaves and uh, applying uh, certain kinds of uh, analysis uh, and they share that passion with others. So sometimes their projections become, um, at least in in the short term, self-fulfilling prophecy, amplifying uh, the the volatility of uh, of Bitcoin and, and other crypto uh, because of that kind of behavior that uh, aggregates uh, a lot of people around. Uh, and of course, cooler heads uh, taking a step back are able uh, to uh, put in place the opposite moves, often being able to uh, gain the upper hand in these uh, zero-sum transactions. Right. What is, in my opinion, not zero-sum is the long-term view of uh, what Bitcoin and blockchain is becoming. Because uh, when institutional investors, up to and including heads of central banks, are taking notice and uh, either for the first time commenting upon uh, the role of Bitcoin or reversing their previous critical position uh, to be at least neutral or uh, to be a position that uh, is is not neglecting uh, or or it is not a snide remark uh, towards the technology, that really means that over the past uh, 13 years, uh, Bitcoin has uh, achieved a position where uh, it, it can only further progress. In my opinion, anyone who says at this point that, that Bitcoin and blockchain technologies are a fad is willfully ignorant. Yes. Uh, and, and it is bound to be constantly surprised by uh, reality not matching uh, their expectations. So mm. I'm, I'm very excited about how uh, so many um, initiatives and projects, both in Bitcoin uh, as what is called the layer one protocol, um, as well as on top of Bitcoin and others like Ethereum, is being built. And these are exciting solutions that are starting to be able to scale exactly in proportion with the interest that they are um uh, generating across the world. And how do you feel about the fact that um, countries, obviously El Salvador has led the lead in that, um, using uh, Bitcoin as a currency? <clears throat> What's your perspective on this? Because it sounds like other countries are thinking of doing it. So um, I don't know if everybody realizes that El Salvador did not give up uh, their uh, own national currency in order to adopt Bitcoin. The decision of giving up their national currency has been uh, taken many, many years ago in favor of the U.S. dollar. Yes. The so-called dollarization is something that El Salvador shares with other countries that decided 
for one reason or another that it was better not to um, uh, reap the rewards of uh, monetary sovereignty if it came at the cost of having to manage uh, their weak currency in a smaller economy, potentially in a country uh, where uh, the separation of uh, uh, economic and uh, and political power is not sufficient and, and corruption is rife. Mm. So that is the decision that, uh, uh, that uh, El Salvador took. And, and now, basically, they said, wow, this new thing, this new technology uh, seems to be very promising, very interesting. And they are uh, certainly making a, a big leap, a leap of faith uh, in many directions. One, that uh, uh, buying and holding Bitcoin as a central reserve currency is going to pay, uh, uh, pay off. And they are not alone in this. Uh, the United States, for example, uh, have had the opportunity of, of holding on to Bitcoin reserves uh, uh, many times. And each time they decided to instead sell the Bitcoin that they that get, they gained, for example, through criminal proceedings. Yes. Um, famously, uh, Tim Draper, an investor, uh, was the winner of the auctioning off of uh, the Bitcoin uh, uh, previously held uh, at uh, Silk Road, and uh, and that uh, purchase. Uh, uh, blossomed into uh, a multi-billion dollar worth of Bitcoin holding. Right. The country of uh, Bulgaria uh, would be able to pay off its national debt if they were to liquidate their Bitcoin holdings. Wow. Now, uh, so the, 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 the one bet that El Salvador uh, is making is that uh, from the point of view of their reserves and their ability to uh, leverage or um, uh, uh, collateralize or, you know, do whatever they want to do around their uh, macroeconomic uh, controls uh, is going to be improved by their, their Bitcoin holdings. The other bet that they are making is that in a population where uh, digital uh, natives are a minority, uh, where uh, even some basic uh, skills like reading and writing are not universal, yeah, uh, analphabetism uh, is um, uh, is is present in in percentages that uh, that is higher than than in other countries. Well. They believe that they will be able to uh, improve people's abilities by incentivizing them to uh, install and and manage their digital wallets on their wow. smartphones. And 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 this process is not something that happens in one day. The no. the incentive is real because they are offering. Uh, basically, uh, they are uh, sending anyone who installs the local wallet uh, the equivalent of uh, $50 in, uh, in Bitcoin. And uh, for uh, the poorer uh, residents of El Salvador, receiving a gift of $50 from the government is a big deal. 
Yeah, of so, course. <laughs> so um, there, there is, um, there are in parallel a lot of experiments that they are they are carrying out. Not everyone is uh, on board. Uh, there are accusations against the president of uh, uh, him being a budding dictator that is uh, ramming through uh, these decisions uh, without sufficient debate in the country. Uh, but, uh, you know, from the outside, it is, it is fantastically interesting. Uh, yes. And uh, I, am, I am rooting for it uh, to, to succeed. Yes, um, me too. And, and 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 what I expect, you know, is that uh, the the volatility over the years uh, during the the coming decade of Bitcoin is going to progressively reduce, right. um, and uh, and it it will become uh, more and more uh, stable. Not in the sense that it is its value is going to stabilize against the U.S. dollar, for example, but that uh, uh, the um, ups and downs of its uh, exchange rate are going to be narrower and narrower on a, on on a trajectory um, right and, and 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 of course there are new technologies that have been developed and deployed over the course of the past few years uh, like uh, lightning uh, where lightning on top of bitcoin uh, allows the bitcoin blockchain to be capable of managing uh, uh, massively more transactions than uh, the ones it could do before. Yes. So um, that is why I'm saying the interest around Bitcoin and blockchain in general is growing in proportion with the technology solutions that are available to service that interest. So interesting. Thanks for all of that information. The other perspective I wondered if you could talk about is um, China's uh, situation of banning uh, blockchain Bitcoin um, in the country. And obviously, we also now know how its own monetary or financial system has been exposed um, with Evergrande. So could you talk a little bit about how what you see is happening there and how that's going to affect uh, the digital or the digital economy, yeah. <laughs> so, um, for a long time, we have uh, looked at China uh, condescendingly, um, pitting uh, the Chinese behind the Great Firewall, deprived of uh, yes. <laughs> the digital freedoms that uh, everyone else enjoyed. Yes. We didn't realize that uh, actually uh, the protected environment enabled. Uh, a local ecosystem to strengthen and to blossom and to give birth to giants that now are rivaling uh, any other uh, company uh, from the US or or Europe in the in the digital realm uh, Alibaba Tencent uh, and and others the ecosystem of extremely rich integrated solutions that users of uh, WeChat are enjoying uh, are uh, supporting the kinds of uh, innovations that can be built on top uh, that are, uh, are um, not only equal to uh, what we see in the digital world uh, outside of China, but uh, many, many times uh, are, are going further. Um, uh, we look at Amazon and their next day delivery or in New York, for example, for uh, many items, uh, they deliver 
uh, in an hour or so your yeah. order. And, and that is a pretty common experience in China uh, where the e-commerce platforms built um, thousands and tens of thousands of um, uh, not only regional, not only city, but sub-city uh, located um, uh, distribution centers. And Incredible. they coordinate, uh, for example, the, the, the promotions uh, that people receive in, in what they could buy at a, at a bargain price uh, by pre-populating these distribution centers with the products that will be promoted, of course, so that then they can be delivered uh, in, in, in literally a few minutes uh, uh, after, after the order. So uh, this is an example of the, of the traditional digital economy, the centralized digital economy. Now, yeah, yeah. An, another area where uh, China is ahead of, of most countries in the world is in the issuance and management and the experiments around uh, central bank digital currencies. Mm. Uh, in coordination with Alibaba, uh, they created a wallet that is able uh, to receive and to, to handle transactions of a cash-like uh, digital token. Now, uh, these designs are being studied uh, everywhere, including uh, um, uh, the U.S. or the Central Bank of Europe and, and, and so on. There are um, uh, a diminishing number of central banks that are not looking at uh, how to address these, these uh, challenges they are seeing. Mm. Um, the parameters uh, with which uh, these new cash-like digital tokens are going to be designed are crucial because uh, what, what uh, uh, the driving principle in China is, is different from uh, the West. The common good, a harmonious society trumps individual interests and the right to, to privacy. So mm -hmm. the design of the digital currency is such that um, the um, anonymous nature of cash is not necessarily uh, present. So uh, we, we must look at those experiments, we must learn from them, and we must okay. be very alert, very aware of how the equivalent designs are going to be in the West because we must preserve the anonymity of our uh, uh, financial transactions uh, with these cash-like instruments. Yes. Uh, already, they are they are limited. So uh, when you travel, for example, anytime you could be stopped uh, at at a border control, and if you have more than ten thousand dollars or equivalent uh, uh, with you, um, you have to fill a form, or it will be uh, taken away from you. In many countries, in Europe, for example, uh, if you buy a good, you cannot transact the purchase of that good uh, if it is more than a few uh, thousand euro. So already we have uh, severe limits on, on how we are allowed to use cash. We must fight to preserve what remains because mm. the ability... Uh, it, it, is a, it is a First Amendment issue, right? Yes. Um, uh, financial transactions are speech-like. 
uh, and mm. and we must preserve our ability to speak freely through our financial transactions. Uh, the central bank digital currencies are running the risk of taking that freedom away. I remember when um, many years ago, when they started, a, a few companies were trying to, um, you know, you would share your your transactions, and I I'm a pretty um, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also very aware when my privacy or security is going to be affected, and I was horrified, and I thought. Why would I want to expose my financial transactions to anyone else um, or, you know, to the general public? I thought that was the most incredible uh, attack or um, leak of personal information. Um, and that's how close the, the financial, um, <laughs> your financial sort of life is to the very, very personal. I would prefer to have more like personal uh, things exposed than my own financial transactions. And, and I don't do anything untoward. It's just that I just feel they're so personal. <laughs> so That's uh, right. Yes, yeah. You are perfectly right. And, yeah. and uh, uh, I always confirm and, and, and repeat, uh, privacy is important to the individual, yeah. but privacy is even more important to society, which if it uh, doesn't respect privacy, it is unable to evolve and to adapt to future needs mm. because anything that deviates from the norm at a given time uh, can only happen if protected by anonymity. Mm. But after a while, it can become the norm. Yeah. Um, uh, the latest example in the US, for example, is uh, uh, legalizing marijuana. It used mm. to be a criminal act. In, yeah. uh, in California or in New York, people would go to jail. Yeah. And today it is not. How did that happen? It could happen only through the fact that marijuana was partially tolerated in a society that was not fanatically uh, going against extinguishing any kind of conversation around it. And then it could become something that more and more people feel felt fine about. And the same with, with uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, yeah. And the same with many other behaviors. So mm. that is why China uh, is uh, uh, balancing a, a very delicate situation mm. where they understand that their huge country has immense differences. Uh, we don't even realize, but the, the Han majority um, uh, is... Uh, just one uh, of the ethnic populations uh, in China. There are uh, more than a hundred ethnic minorities that are officially recognized, and 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 these are different people, different languages, mm. and and China needs to keep them all together. So how can they do that? Can they do that uh, in a, in a relaxed manner? Well. Uh, they are certainly self-confident, but they don't feel yet that they can relax about it. And and so they are trying to balance what can be allowed, but what cannot be allowed. And, and um, I don't think that we can um, dictate solutions to them. We have to observe them 
We have to understand what they are doing, but we cannot pretend that we know better. Um, I, I just wanted to add a point there. I'm a Tibetan Buddhist and have been for um, you know, most of my life uh, since I was young. And um, I, I still don't think that um, China has um, had any sense of human rights with the Tibetans. Um, some of the videos I used to see when I, you know, 40 years ago of what they were doing um, was hor horrendous. And now, of course, the Uyghurs um, have um, attained a lot of world um, view about what's happening to them as well, their detainments and stuff. So, yeah, there is definitely a very dark area that the Chinese are definitely trying to uh, cover up where there are human atrocities happening and um and and, you know. and back to back to bitcoin uh, yeah. or or cryptocurrencies yeah. declaring them illegal is like declaring mathematics illegal well uh, yeah it, isn't that it interesting is, it is a it is a declaration <laughs> of such a lack of self confidence it is a declaration of weakness and doing it over and over again like they uh, did over the course of many years, yeah, um, is is uh, is dangerous because uh, there can be people, and there are people in China who are pointing their finger and uh, say that the emperor is naked. Uh, yeah. Because when when you are evidently powerless, then then a lot of things that you 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 do uh, will be uh, decidedly seen as as. Uh, laughable by a growing number of people mm. uh, so so no i don't think that uh, that china is going to be able to stop the spreading of bitcoin and blockchain yeah. uh, within uh, within uh, its own uh, territory and we have seen um that uh, uh, their decision hasn't had a negative effect on the exchange rate of, of Bitcoin towards the US dollar either. So the, mm -hmm. the market overall just shrugged um, and said, okay, mm -hmm. well, um, we move the miners, we move uh, exchanges. Uh, uh, Chinese are going to have a harder time to trade in crypto. Okay. And, yeah. and the rest of the world uh, just went happily along. Uh, yes, it was like a little bump, really, as far as the financial markets went. It didn't really... Um like crash or anything totally so it was interesting yeah okay well um just love talking to you david and i i'm probably keeping you too long but if you've got a few more minutes would you give me a uh, your synopsis on the uh, global shipping crisis and apparently what's underneath that is the fact that us have um gone crazy with purchasing um it's not just the fact that they can't unload at some of the ports and stuff um what's your opinion about why the crisis would have um made people want to buy more stuff <laughs> and the u.s is famous for that of course <laughs> anyway <laughs> so, supply chains uh, are are very delicate and uh, uh, the issues of uh, um restocking shelves is not something that is hitting the US uh, uh, alone uh, it is happening no. in the UK too um, yeah. self-inflicted by their exiting the European Union uh, huh. and, and, and they're, they're sending away truck drivers uh, uh, back home as, as yeah. they would uh, be uh, claiming uh, now they are trying to lure them back uh, uh, unsuccessfully so 
really, um, I think this uh, is um, the uh, aftershock, and we will okay. see additional aftershocks uh, of uh, the pandemic. Okay. Uh, and and we have to um, really learn important lessons uh, uh, around them. Yeah. Uh, th- there are uh, so many ways that uh, that we can learn if we keep uh, uh, alert, analytical, open minds. Uh, yes. Ransomware attacks. What are they doing? They are yes. strengthening our digital infrastructure. They are yes. exploring vulnerabilities. And and every time um, uh, an organization is, uh, is impacted, well, their peers, hopefully, uh, are immediately running uh, to check if they are vulnerable too. Yes. Um, when, when regulators are crying wolf uh, around uh, wonderful innovations like uh, uh, DeFi, uh, which are exposing to sophisticated financial knowledge, um, waves of people who previously were shielded uh, from them, well, regulators don't realize that these people deserve to learn. And then yes. through the power of that acquired knowledge, they can make uh, reasonable decisions yes. that uh, previously they were not allowed to make because only a, a, a very small set of individuals could take advantage of the kinds of uh, um, in instruments that now DeFi is is uh, giving access to anyone. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So there are so many things that uh, as long as um, uh, people who are curious like you and your listeners uh, are uh, alert to these phenomena are uh, uh, leading towards a more resilient, uh, uh, better educated, more empowered and emancipated world. And, and, and that is what is supporting uh, Bitcoin. Uh, the understanding that technology is a key uh, to the world of the future, and mm. it is the belief that that world is possible that is uh, supporting Bitcoin against naysayers everywhere. So inspiring and and such a fantastic, wise perspective. I really appreciate um, talking to you again, David. And It's made my day and I'm sure it's going to make my listeners' day. Thank you so much and uh, hopefully we'll get you on again sometime soon. Anytime. Thank you very much. Stay safe and well. Thanks again.